Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Colossians chapter number 4. Colossians chapter 4. I love the Christmas season. I love everything that goes along with it. I love all the decorations, the lights. I love all of it. And uh, we always, uh, every year, um, we go to um, the Techie Lights, do the Techie Lights tour. You know, we drive around, and Richmond is one of the best areas in the country for that. Uh, believe it or not, but it's just, you know, I think, I think in order to be even considered for the Techie Lights, you have to have over 50,000 lights. If you've never done it, it's a great, great uh, thing to do with your family, and, and you can go online. I think if you just type in like Richmond Tacky Lights or something like that, it'll bring up all the ones that they have in this area. There's, there's tons of them. You can put out a little map, and you can go visit these things, and uh, we've been doing that for the last five or six years probably, and just Kids love it. I love it. I mean, it's, it's just really neat to be able to see all of that. But um, we're actually, Monday and Tuesday, we're heading down to Williamsburg. There's a, a family at Gill Grove Baptist Church, where we came from, uh, that owns a timeshare down in Williamsburg, and they, don't, they never use all of the timeshare dates that they have or whatever, so they always give my wife's family uh, a couple nights. So we're going down there Monday and Tuesday night, and uh, we're going to try to actually find some down in Williamsburg, see if they have any of those down there. But I love the Christmas season. I love, uh, I love the decorations, and you know, that's why it was, it was uh, so nice to be able to come on Wednesday night and put all of this stuff up. And, and uh, boy, if, if I let everybody have their way, this whole thing, there'd be lights hanging from the ceilings and all kinds of stuff, you know. But uh, JJ said there's no such thing as over-decorating for Christmas, and uh, I tend to agree with him. But you know what happens? When we take this all down, it's going to look like this church is completely empty, you know. So we might have to put like a spring tree up there or something, right? We'll be a redneck church. We'll leave the lights on all year round, you know. But I uh, love the Christmas season. But after the Christmas season is coming a brand new year. And the Bible says in Colossians chapter 4, and we're just going to kind of use this as a jumping off point this morning. I've got some other verses that I want you to look at with me. But Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 5 says this. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Now, we've all heard somebody use the phrase, the clock is ticking, right? Uh, that can be used with reference to a lot of things, but it got its, it got its start in the sports world. Um, the game's on the line. The team's down by a couple points. The clock is ticking. You know, the coach is on the sideline telling his team, you know, giving his team instructions. The crowd's getting restless. How many times have you maybe been sitting watching a game and you start yelling at the TV screen, you've got to go. The clock is ticking. You don't have enough time to, you know, just just dawdle with the ball in the backcourt or, you know, whatever else. And uh, when the clock is ticking, there's a sense of urgency. Um, there's, there's a sense that there's not much time left to make something happen. And I probably don't need to remind you that a new year is going to fall upon us in just a couple weeks. With the new year comes the anticipation, I think, of, of more significant, better achievements in our life. Uh, you know, going on to, to bigger and better things and trying to accomplish more for the Lord. Hopefully, that's what our goal is, is to try to accomplish more for the Lord in this new year. But the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. The busyness of the holiday season, if you're not already feeling it, is going to descend upon us real soon. And, um, you know, the, the, the time's getting shorter and shorter to be able to buy presents. And, and of course, you know, you've got this uh, dinner to go to, and that family to be with, and this thing to go, and, and that, and, and it's just, this, this time of the year just gets very busy. Uh, we have to invest as much time as possible in preparing for a successful year right now, because the new year is going to be on top of us before we know it. There has to be a sense of urgency, 
If time expires on 2019 and you don't have a plan in place for how you want to go forward for the Lord in 2020, then you're already behind in what you can accomplish for the Lord. Uh, we have to plan now for what we want to accomplish for the Lord this coming year. The clock's ticking. What I want to share with you this morning is several areas that I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider things that we can do for this coming year that we need to prepare for now if we're going to make significant uh, steps forward, if we're going to make significant advances in those areas in the new year. Let's pray, and then we'll look at those things this morning. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. What a blessing it is to be able to be in church this morning. What a blessing it is to be able to be here in this place. We thank you so much for the family of God and for everybody being together. And God, I pray for those that are sick this morning, that are gone. I pray that you would just help them to recover quickly. Thank you for those that have recovered and, and are back with us this morning. But God, we're here because we want something from you. We want to hear from you this morning. We want to get something from your word. And so I pray that you'd help us to be encouraged to, to, to go forward for you in this new year. And that we'd start planning those things now so we can accomplish what you'd have for us to accomplish. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Because the first thing, the first area that we need to plan this year to accomplish much in is in the area of a walk with God. We need to prioritize a walk with God. This has to be first and foremost on our list. Uh, if nothing else is accomplished this year, then we have to make this thing the number one priority. We have to make this the priority. Without a walk with God, everything else falls apart. We're going to talk about some other things, some practical, mostly spiritual, but some practical things. None of those things will be accomplished without a walk with God. Because I can tell you this, the Bible says very plainly, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's not what we're focusing on this morning. But if my heart is not right with God, then God cannot bless the things that I'm asking him to bless. If I have sin in my life, if I have sin in my heart, if my walk with God is not what it should be, then God can't even hear my other requests for those things to accomplish in the next year. So a walk with God is so important. I'm very much looking forward, at least in my own personal life and personal devotions, to con continuing the study of the Word of God. And that's what we ought to be doing. We ought to be studying the Word of God. I've been studying the Bible, obviously, for years now. And yet, because it's a living book, every time I study it, every time I read through it, I can get something else. I can get something different than what I had gotten before. Uh, new encouragement, new direction, new promises, new mercies, new, you know, new, the list goes on and on of the new things we can get from the Word of God. Because it's not just some dead manual that, um, oh, how do we do this thing? Let me go back and look at the manual again. No, it's a living book. The Holy Spirit is, is speaking through that book and living and breathing, and he's, he's in us. And as he, as he works in us and as he works through us, then we can get some new things from the Word of God every time that we read it. Look at Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. By the way, you notice that progression, right? You're walking, walking with people that you shouldn't be walking with, then you're standing there with them, and then you're seated with them, right? Getting awful comfortable with things that are not things that we should be comfortable with. But he says this in verse number 2. So the man that's not standing with the... Uh, or, or, or walking with the ungodly, standing in the way of sinners, not sitting in the seat of the scornful. What is, what is the, uh, the key to being somebody that's not doing things that we should not be doing? Verse number two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day 
and night. See, I stay out of trouble because I plan to stay out of trouble. Trouble comes looking for us. Many times we go looking for it. But we stay out of trouble because we plan to stay out of trouble. How do you do that? By meditating on the word of God. Look, his delight is in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is the Bible. It's the word of God. That's what the law of the Lord is. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. That, that's referring to not just, oh, I got to read it in the morning. I got to read it at night. It means that we're reading it throughout the day. There's, there's two, two times a day. There's day and there's night, right? That means all the way throughout the day, we should be meditating on the word of God. We're going to get to this in a minute, but that means not only should we be reading the Word of God, but we ought to be studying the Word of God. And study involves, you know, reading through commentaries and reading through, you know, we've been talking about some of these things, but words that you don't understand. Don't just read over it. Go back and look at it. See what it means. See what God's trying to say to us in those passages. And not only that, but memorizing the Word of God. Meditating on the Word of God. Put a, put a verse in your pocket and pull it out throughout the day as you try to memorize it or dwell on it. And, and I'm telling you, the more you read it, the more God gives you in that verse. But one of the ways that you can study the Bible in a new way this year is to mark your Bible with certain things. Maybe, maybe you've read through the Bible already. Maybe you've uh, been reading the Bible for years. One way that you could, could enhance and advance your study is to mark it. This year, what I want to do, and it might take me more than a year to do this, but I want to start marking all the promises in the Bible. There's a lot. There's books that have been written about all the promises in the Bible. I want to read through the Bible and mark those promises. You know, we sing standing on the promises all the time, but most of us probably couldn't even list 20 promises that are in the Bible. If I were to ask you, name me 20 things that are promises in the Word of God. You probably, probably think of a few, but, but maybe not 20. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises in the Word of God. What a great way to study the Bible this year is to, is to read through the entire Bible and just maybe put a little P next to all of the promises that are in the Bible. That's a great way to study the Word of God, you know? But you could take a topic, any topic, and you can mark it in the margin each time that you read of it. Blessings, money, greatness, victory. I mean, take a topic and just mark it next to it as you read throughout the, read your Bible throughout the year. But it's, it's, it's the, the day and age that we're living, and it's, it's just not enough to just read the Bible anymore. We need to read it, and we need to study it. We need to understand it. We need to live it. And the way that we do that is like he says in Psalm 1, Meditate therein day and night. Let the word of God be our delight. There's nothing wrong with enjoying other things, but we delight in so many things. For, for guys, a lot of times we end up delighting in sports. We delight in our hobbies. We delight in hunting. We delight in this. We delight in that. Could somebody characterize your life by saying his delight is in the law of the Lord? His delight is in the word of God. Would somebody say that about you if they were going to give a characterization of your life? Should be. We ought to focus and, and, and plan on a walk with God. Another thing that I began to do this year that I think would be helpful in your Bible study is to read, read the Bible through in its entirety. I've done that before. I've read through the Bible all the way through, and it takes a lot of time. And maybe if you have a family and, uh, you know, you may not have all the time to do that, but you might enjoy the opportunity to try to read through the Bible um, my wife and I were just talking about that. She said, uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess, but she said she didn't particularly like reading through the entire Bible all at once because you feel, I mean, not all at once, but taking the Bible through a year. And, and there's all kinds. I mean, you could, you could type in a search on the Internet. It'll tell you, it'll give you all kinds of different reading lists to help you read through the Bible in an entire year. And it, it's a great opportunity. It's a great thing to do if you've never done it before. 
But what happens is you, you end up reading two, three, four chapters, and you're just doing it to try to get it done because i got to get through the Bible in a year, you know. And, and, and it can, it's not that it's not helpful. It's certainly helpful. There's, there's people who read through the Bible three or four times in a year. And the more you get of the Word of God, it's never going to be something that's bad for you. But it, it's kind of hard to study the Word of God when you're trying to read three or four chapters in the morning and three or four chapters in the evening. Again, it's not, it's not like it's going to hurt you to read the Bible, but... Uh, you know, you might enjoy that opportunity, but one of the ways that you could accomplish this, and I think this is something that I've actually started doing that I really enjoy uh, with trying to read through the Bible in an entire year, is to read a whole book at a time. And I know it sounds like a lot, but, but 50 chapters in Genesis, it, does, it wouldn't even take you that long to read through the entire book of Genesis. You know, maybe an hour, hour and a half at the most if you sat down and read it start to finish, right? But what it does is it gives you an entire overview of the whole book of Genesis, and so instead of reading the story about creation, and then reading the story about Abraham, and then reading the story about Moses, and then reading the story about, you know, all these other different things that we read about in Genesis, read the entire book at the same time and see how it all fits together. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. Same thing with Exodus, and the same thing with Leviticus, and all the way throughout the Bible. You know, there's 66 books in the Bible. You'd have to do that, you know, I mean, you'd have to do it a little bit more than once a week, but you'd only have to do it once a week. And think about how much time we spend wasting on things that we throw two hours on without even thinking about it, you know? We'll sit down and play on our phones for two hours without thinking about it. We'll sit down and watch a program that we don't even care to watch for two hours, you know? People do that stuff all the time. And, and look, we have to redeem the time. Time is short. We only have this life to live for God. We only have this life to work on our relationship with God. And boy, the more you get into the Bible, the more your relationship with God is going to be what it should be. You know, I've done that now, reading, reading through these whole books with, with several books, and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it with the rest. But having an overall picture of the book is such a tremendous uh, 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 advantage in the way that you study the Word of God. For example, Matthew, if you go into the Gospels, Matthew portrays Jesus as a sovereign king. Mark, if you read through the entire book of Mark, uh, and there's only, there's only 18 chapters in the book of Mark, 16, 18 chapters in the book of Mark, I believe. And probably gonna, everybody's going to look, look at Mark and see how many chapters there are in there now. I forget exactly how many is, but it's not that long. But Mark portrays Jesus as a servant. Luke portrays Jesus as the Savior. John portrays Jesus as the Son of God. And if you read through that book in its entirety, you can see that whole picture come forward as you read through it. You read a chapter here or a chapter there or a couple of chapters at a time, you, you, you can miss some of those things. So it's a great way to study through the Bible. And by the way, you know, set aside an hour every couple of weeks, read a full book, and it'll help the Bible come alive to you and make a whole lot more sense as a whole. Uh, and, and by the way, there's, there's really no excuse for not doing this. There's, there's so many Bible apps out there nowadays that have the audio version of the Bible. You can listen to it. And I've started doing this. I work out in my shop, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll put uh, uh, a book on in, in the Bible and just listen to the whole book being read. It, it, it kind of changes the perspective on it a little bit, you know? When you're listening to something versus when you're reading something, now, you, you can get different things from doing both. But, you know, how many times are we out there working in the garage or working in the yard or something like that? Instead of turning on music... Turn on the Word of God. Listen to the Word of God being read to you. It, it give you. It'll give you a whole new perspective on that book, and it'll help the Bible come alive to you. Uh, but memorizing the Bible is another way to further your walk with God. Turn over to Psalm 119. You're not too far from there, but 
You know, I'm getting close to being finished with this Bible memorization book for the adults. I've got the entire first book done. I'm splitting it up into two books. The first book is all verses that we can use to help us, uh, verses that we can memorize, but verses that will help us as we share the gospel with somebody. The second book in this memorization book is going to be all verses that will help us in our spiritual walk, some topics that we that are, I wouldn't say controversial, but some topics that, that come up, verses that we can memorize, but the more of the Word of God we get into us, the more our relationship with God can be what He wants it to be. And I hope that, that you'll be excited to memorize the Word of God. I don't know if I'm going to have it done by January 1st or not, but, but very close to it. You know, we spend so much time telling our kids, you need to memorize the Bible. You need to be there in the, in the Lighthouse Kids. You need to memorize this thing. And then all of a sudden, we get to a certain age, and we don't have to memorize the Bible anymore. You know, I know it gets harder the older you get to memorize things, but it, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it, right? Memorizing the Word of God. The Bible says this in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Right? What does hiding God's word in our hearts mean? doesn't mean that you, you, know, you open up your, your coat pocket and put the Bible in there next to your heart. It means you're memorizing it. Right? How do you hide God's word in your heart? You memorize the word of God. And I'm telling you, what happens is God brings verses to your remembrance. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit does that. He will bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Right? But how do you remember something that you never learned in the first place? Right? It's important that we study the Word of God. It's important that we memorize the Word of God. It's so easy to just write out a verse on a 3 by 5 card and put it in your pocket and carry it with you throughout the day. You're accomplishing two things. You're meditating on the Word of God, and you're hiding God's Word in your heart at the same time. It's so important that we memorize it. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, and verse number 16, you don't need to turn over there, but he says this, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. But let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's hard to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly if you don't know it, if you haven't memorized it, if you're not reading it, if you're not studying it. The more you, the more you get the Bible into you, the more you get Christ with it. Look at Psalm 40 and verse number 8. He says this, Psalm 40 and verse number 8. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. In other words, these two things go, in, go hand in hand. The more you put the word of God in your heart, the more you study the word of God, the more you make the word of God a priority, the more you make a walk with God a priority, the more you're going to delight to do his will. And the more you delight to do his will, the more you're going to want to study the word of God. And it's just a never-ending cycle. And what a great cycle to be stuck in, right? If you have a great relationship with the word of God, then you're going to have a great relationship with the author of the word of God. And that's what our goal ought to be. That's why a walk with God is so important. See, when you, when you lose your desire for the word of God, the devil will be more than happy to replace it with a desire for other things. And the more you start to desire those other things, the more you lose your desire for the Word of God. And then you start to desire other things in front of the Word of God. And that's a bad cycle to be in. How about let's get that cycle started? Let's make plans right now to have a walk with God that's pleasing to God. How about plan right now for 2020? What am I going to do with my Bible this year? What am I going to read through? What am I going to study out? What am I going to memorize? What am I going to work on? But we have to start that now. The clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. We ought to prioritize a walk with God, but also, and we have three more points, but we'll go through these much more quickly. 
We ought to prioritize our family. Turn over to Psalm 127. I know I'm, I'm trying to keep you in Psalms so you don't have to turn too far away from there, but Psalm 127. Family is not an activity that we schedule into our calendars. Family should be a part of our lives. It should be our lives. Psalm 127 and verse 3 says this, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. We ought to have daily prayers. We ought to have laughter. We ought to have play. We ought to have correction. We ought to have encouragement. All of those things are things that make our family what it is. We should plan special events, whether it's, you know, uh, working together around the house, having a picnic in the backyard, planning a vacation for the summer months, going out to hike, going out to camp, whatever you want to do. But uh, family does not mean that we surround ourselves with just play either. Uh, sometimes, you know, every time there's a day off, we don't necessarily have to think of it as a time where we've got go, to gotta go somewhere and do something. Spend time with each other. Just, you know, throw the ball out in the yard. Shoot the basketball, whatever you have there, you know. Make, make your family an enjoyable time, but make your family a priority. It's also our responsibility to invest in the spiritual lives of our family as well. We talked a little bit about that this morning in Sunday school with husbands and wives. It's the responsibility of the father, the husband, to lead the family spiritually. Um, you know well Joshua 24 and verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether it be... Uh, uh, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That ought to be a decision that you make and that you stand on for the rest of your life and the rest of your family's life. We're going to serve the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That is a spiritual responsibility that we have to our families to make sure that our families are being raised to love the Lord and to love his work. We, we should certainly have them in church where they're going to hear it, but we should be teaching, teaching them at home by our words. But the greatest way that we could teach them to love the Lord is by our example. And by the way, you might not have kids anymore. You might have never had kids but you're an example when you come to church to all the rest of the kids that are here. And the way you serve the Lord, the way that you love the Lord, you're being an example to the kids. It's important. It's important that you do those things. The best way to help our families is by carefully planning and carefully laying out how we're going to help them. And that's something that has to be done deliberately. Your family is not going to be helped accidentally. Family is not going to help just because you have a family. You have to deliberately plan spiritually for the lives of your children. It's my prayer that we'll invest our lives and our families in 2020. But, you know, in addition to our physical families, we should also prioritize our spiritual family. You need the fellowship of other brothers and sisters in Christ. We are part of the family of God. If you're saved, you're part of the family of God. You need the encouragement that comes by being around other people who are on the same journey that we're on. It's not easy to be a Christian in 2019. You look at everything that the world is trying to do in tearing Christianity down and tearing the Bible down and tearing down the credibility of anybody who claims to be a Christian, right? It's not easy to be a Christian. And that's why it's such an encouragement to be around so many other people who are doing the same thing that we're doing, who are trying to accomplish the same thing that we're trying to accomplish, who are going in the same direction. That's tremendously helpful to keeping us on track. So we need to prioritize a walk with God. We need to prioritize our families. But also, 
We need to prioritize our finances. Turn over to Malachi chapter 3. You're all familiar with this verse, but we need to decide how we're going to spend the money that God invests in your care. Luke chapter 20, verse number 25, he says, He said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. What happened was somebody brought a coin to Jesus and said, they're trying to tax us. Should we give, you know, we shouldn't be giving these things to, to, to Caesar. And, and Jesus said, give me a coin. They gave him a coin. They said, Who's, whose inscription do you see on that coin? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but unto God the things that are God's. In other words, you ought to pay your taxes. But you also ought to be giving the things to God that belong to God too. The Bible says this in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Verse number 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Every single penny that you have comes from God. He tells us that we should be giving to the work of the Lord. That's how God's work moves forward. We need to determine what percentage of our salary we're going to give to God. Now, he talks about that, tithes and offerings. Tithe is 10%, but we need to give offerings on top of that. That's, that's what he's talking about. We need to determine how much we're going to give to missions. We need to determine how much we're going to give to others. You know, uh, the Bible talks about the fact that, that people rob God all the time. Oh, I would never rob God. But he says, you are robbing me. You're robbing me in tithes and offerings. If you're not giving the 10% that belongs to God, look, God, God's plan is, is so perfect, you know? Here, I'm going to give you 100%. All I'm asking is for you to give me 10% back. You keep the 90. You keep the 90. Just give me 10%. Look, what if God had demanded that we give him back 50% or, or 90% and we get to live off the 10, you know? Now, God would still provide for us if he was doing that, but he says, tithe 10% and then give offerings on top of that. And you know what? It's not even, I know 100% for a fact that if, if everybody in this church right now stopped giving anything that they give, God would take care of his church. We will continue. We'll go on. We don't need your money. God will take care of us. But you know what the Bible says? Those who give, God blesses. And so, when you give your money, of course, it allows the ministries and, and everything to continue. It allows us to keep the lights on and, and pay the rent and all of that kind of stuff. It, it does allow those things. We, we, you know, if nobody gave anything, then obviously, you know, things would be very difficult. But God would take care of it, you know. People leave and they take their tithe with them. God knows that. God's going to take care of it. God fills those, those holes where, you know, the, the giving is no longer there. God does all those things. I'm not worried about it. I'm not, I'm not, I don't preach on money because we got to have money. I don't know what we're going to do if we don't have money. We're doing fine. Preach on giving because it's a blessing that comes back to you when you give to God. You see what he says there in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10? Amen. Look, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. Give and watch. Watch what happens when you give. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Everybody wants to talk about the prosperity gospel. You serve God. God's going to bless you beyond what you could ever comprehend. It doesn't mean that you're going to have all the money and things and everything that you have ever wanted. You're not going to be able to go out and buy a million-dollar house because you gave to God and you're serving God. 
But he says there's going to be blessings that are so great, there won't even be room enough for you to receive those blessings. And that doesn't not always necessarily come in the form of money. I'm sorry to tell you that. I know a lot of the evangelists on TV want you to believe that if you send every last dollar that you have to them, then God's going to bless you beyond what you can ever imagine with all the money you could possibly think of. And people fall for that. But God's blessings come in so many different forms. Think about your family serving God. That's a blessing. Think about your health. That's a blessing. Think about all the things that happen. You know, I, I believe this 100%. God doesn't always bless us with all kinds of money and everything else when we serve him and when we give to him and everything else. But God keeps things that you have from breaking down so that you don't have to spend money on things that you would spend. Look, God's going to get his money some way, either by you giving it to him or by him having to take it. I'd rather give it to him. And when I say that he has to take look, God can keep your car running for way longer than you ever expected that it would run. He can keep your refrigerator running. He can keep your, your washer and dryer running. He can fix those things with, w without you having to go spend a bunch of money on fixing it. So God doesn't always give you all kinds of money because you give to him, but God gives you a lot of blessings. Prove me now herewith, he says. I mean, this is God. This is not just me saying, I can promise you that if you give money to the church, God's going to bless you. That's not me saying it. That's God saying, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. But we also need to look at our finances from, from a personal finance standpoint. You should not be in debt. And if you are, you should be doing everything you can to get out of it. Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Proverbs 22 and verse 7. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. If you owe a bunch of money on credit cards, you need to get your finances taken care of. God doesn't want you to live in debt. When you live in debt, you're living crippled. It takes planning. It takes hard work, but you'll find so much freedom in being out of debt. Here's the last thing. We need to prioritize a walk with God. We need to prioritize our families. We need to prior prioritize our finances. And lastly, we need to prioritize Christian service. Every Christian, every Christian ought to be serving the King of Kings. We don't want to just send a few people out into the battle. We want to send an army, right? What, what do you think would happen if we had a, we had a whole army full of people? a little army, or let's just take the Marines, for example. We have a whole Marine Corps full of Marines, and, and a battle comes up, and we said, all right, let's take those five guys and send them out there and see what they can do. Think they're going to be very successful? Think they're going to be very profitable? But let's say, all right, we got 10 platoons with, with 500 guys each. Let's send those guys, see what they can accomplish. You think they're going to accomplish a whole lot with 10 platoons or five, or five men? Obviously, the more you get out there in the field, the more you get out there serving their country, the more you're going to accomplish. And it works the same way with Christianity. I don't know why we think it's different, you know. Uh, it, this has been said for many, many years that 95% of the work, 95% uh, of the work in the church is done by 5% of the people. Uh, our percentage is a whole lot higher than that, and I'm thankful for that. But how much more could you be doing for Jesus Christ than what you're doing now? We ought to be willing and able and doing everything that we can to serve Jesus Christ. Let's be involved in soul winning. Let's be involved in praying. Let's be involved in holy living. Let's be involved in going out and knocking on doors. Let's be involved in serving in the church, cleaning the church, and, 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 and landscaping, and painting, and repairing, and giving, and sacrificing. All of those things are for the cause of Christ, and all of those are ways that we can serve the King of Kings. What a tremendous opportunity we have. You know, we only get... 
this life to make it count for Christ. I sat there thinking about that this week. The, the excuse of being too busy on trivial things that in the end don't matter is going to sound awful silly when we stand before Christ and tell him why we didn't accomplish what he wanted us to accomplish. Well, I, I was so busy. How do you think that's going to sound when you stand before Jesus Christ? I gave my life for you. I saved you. I called you to do this work. Here's all the things that I wanted you to accomplish. Why did you not get those things done? I was too busy. It sounds awful foolish when we stand before God, huh? The excuse that we felt inadequate. It's going to sound awful silly when we're standing before God. Well, I just, I just didn't think I could do it. You didn't ask me for my strength. You know, the, the excuses that we come up with. We didn't feel like it. You know, we didn't feel like it. I just didn't feel like going out and knocking on doors. I'm too embarrassed by that. It's going to sound awful silly when we stand before God. Let's make plans now to make 2020 the best year of service to our king. What a tremendous opportunity that we have. But we only get this life. That's our opportunity. If you think about the timeline of eternity, think about a wall that goes as far as you could see. Just get out there in some of those flat plains out west or, you know, go up to Ohio and Indiana. Just see how flat everything is. Let's take a wall that extends as far in this direction as you can see and as far in that direction as you can see. Just take a little speck of dust and throw it on that wall. That little speck of dust represents our life in the time, timeline of eternity. It's so short. It's so short. And yet, this little... 50, 60, 70, 80 years that God gives us is all the time that we have to make it count for eternity. What could be worse not serving God over? What could be worth not having a walk with God over? Is there anything that's more valuable than those things? Is there anything that's more valuable than our families? Is there anything that's more valuable than, than our walk with God? Is there anything that's more valuable not. This is it. We got this time. Let's make 2020 a year that we can move forward for Jesus Christ. I know this is not New Year's yet, but we've got to get on it now. If we're going to make plans to make 2020 a great year, we need to start making those plans now. Don't allow the calendar year to come to you. You go to it. You hit 2020 with running. Hit the ground running. Excited about doing things for God. In these closing moments of 2019, let's invest our time in a walk with God. Let's invest our time in our families. Let's invest our time in our finances. And let's invest our time in service to Jesus Christ so that 2020 will be nothing short of the best year of our lives if Jesus Christ tarries his coming. I hope he comes back. I hope he comes back today. But if he doesn't, We've got some living to do. Let's make it living for him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. Thank you for each person that's here this morning, God. What a tremendous, tremendous opportunity we have. Even if two or three people were here that were on fire for you, no telling what you could do with us. We have 30 or 40 people that are here this morning. 
that if we could just get on fire for you, there's no telling what you could accomplish with this church. So God, I pray that you'd help us to be on fire for you. I pray that you'd help us to make plans now to study your word, make plans now to do everything we can to serve you the way that you want us to serve you. God, I can guarantee that if, if, if we were able to look ahead to the end of 2020 and see all the blessings that you give us because we're doing these things, every one of us would be willing to jump in with both feet. So God, I pray that you'd help us to trust you, that when you say you'll bless us for doing your work, that, that, that we'll trust you. We'll have faith to believe that if we just do what you've called us to do, you'll bring everything together. So God, I pray this morning that we'd give a determination to make this coming year the best year that we've ever had in our service to you. If you would stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. The piano is going to play, and when she does, the invitation is open. If God's spoken to your heart this morning, then you can come.